Hmm. All right, guys. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer for our Sunday school. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just another Sunday, Lord, just to open your word, Lord, and not just another Sunday, Lord, but a new Sunday, a Sunday you provided for us, Lord, an opportunity to hear your word and to open our hearts and minds to you, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, today that you will change some hearts, change some minds, Lord, maybe even draw someone to salvation, Lord. God, I just ask you, Lord, that these verses be your, your verses and your words and your ideas, not mine, Lord. And they just come out clear and, and, and understandable, Lord. And God, just help us just draw closer to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> we're talking more about walking with God. And uh, I know it seems like we're on this forever, but I think that's where, as Christians, we fail the most. You know, we don't know how to submit to God. We don't know how to follow God. And we don't know how to walk with God. We read the verses, but we just don't enact it in our lives. And that's what we're talking about. And previously we talked about uh, walking with God. That means to walk uprightly. And we looked at that and to walk righteously and, and to walk with integrity. And then we talked about to walk with God that you need to fear God. Because if you don't respect God, which is that word fear means respect. And it's a high respect, not just... You know, like the song says, you know, give me respect or whatever it says. Or, you know, I hear people all the time, you're not going to disrespect me. That, that ain't even nowhere near the respect we're supposed to have for God. And if we fear God, then we're going to have reverence and fear for God. If we have that, it will change how we treat others. Okay? It will change, uh, change us to be more loyal and more faithful. You know, not only to God, but to the things that God puts forth in our lives, to our, our marriage and to our home and our family, even to our work. He makes you a more faithful and loyal person if you fear God. If you fear God, it'll also result in you being more trustworthy and living in trust, right? And it'll also, it will result, in, the reverence and fear of God will result in you getting wisdom from God, not from this world. Okay, we've talked about all of these. So we want to look at some other things that are results of a Christian who has reverence and fear for their God. Okay, so let's go to Psalms 25. <clears throat> Psalms 25. <clears throat> in verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, his, his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. I'm sorry, 12. I jumped down there. Let's start over. What man is he that feareth the Lord? He shall teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. So what are we talking about right here? Well, right off the bat, we see that, that those who fear him, God instructs them. He gives you instructions for your life. He gives you guidance. He keeps you from making bad mistakes if you listen to him, right? He also says right there that you're going to live in peace. If your life's turmoil, fear God. It's pretty easy. And if you fear God and you have reverence for him, you'll obey what did we learn last week and the week before and before that. If you fear God and you, and you respect him, you have a reverence for him, you will obey him. You will submit to him. You obey his commandments. You obey his statutes. And you will obey his ways and his will. That's how you have peace. Let's look at the same chapter, Psalms 25. Let's look at verse 14. It says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, 
and he will show them his covenant. So the secret of the Lord comes to those who fear him. And what does this mean? It means that he will cause those, those people that fear him, that know him, that respect him, he will cause them to know his covenant with them. You will, you will know what he's giving you. You will know his promises. You will know that through reading your Bible. You'll know that through coming to church. You'll know that if you have a personal relationship with him and he speaks to you in prayer, right? Psalms 33, 18. <clears throat> the Bible says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Okay? So we see that the eye of the Lord is on those that what? Fear him. So if you fear him and you reverence him, he's watching you. It's not like big brother watching you. He's watching you to see what you're going to do, to see if you're going to obey him, number one. But he's also watching you to keep you out of trouble. You know, you always talk about that. You know, you, you leave for work and there's a bad accident, but that morning you, you forgot to pick up your hairbrush. So you took a moment and took your hairbrush back. And we go, man, God may have kept me from getting in that accident. He might have. It's a good chance. It says his eyes are upon you. And that's for his protection. That's to see also what you're doing. Are you living right? You know, does he need to chastise you a little bit? But it says those that have hope, those that fear the Lord have hope in his mercy. So we have hope in God's mercy for us in our lives. We don't have hope in the world. The world will fail you every single time. Guess what else fails you? If you have hope in yourself. You think you can do everything? You can fix everything? No. Have hope in God. Okay? Uh, Psalms 34, 7. If you type in, in a King, King James Bible word search, type in the word uh, fear. Oh, man. <laughs> There's a lot. But uh, Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth around, around about them that fear him, and delivereth them. What a promise. So if you fear God, you respect God, and you're obeying Him, and you're doing what He tells you to do, the angel of the Lord is going to camp around you. If He's camped around you, who can hurt you? Who can even get near you? They can't. You can't. And that verse also says, right there it says, and He delivers them. So if you're fearing God, and you're obeying Him, and you're living right, and doing what He tells you to do, not only will the angel of the Lord be around you to protect you, when something comes, He'll deliver you out of the way. That's pretty amazing. That's amazing. All you have to do is fear God. Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Psalms 103. In verse 13, the Bible says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Okay? And you think, oh, pitieth? Everybody thinks pity is a bad word. Well, not really. This means that the Lord will have compassion on you. When he sees you down, he'll have compassion on you. When he sees you up, he'll have compassion on you. He has compassion on you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For those that fear him. So remember, there's the opposite side. If you don't fear God, he's not going to have compassion for you. That is a scary thing if you think about it in those terms, right? Psalms 103, verse 17. The Bible says, 
But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Okay, so that, that right there it says the mercy. Well, mercy, God's mercy is his loving kindness. How much does he love you? How much does he fill you with his kindness and his grace and his mercy? That's what he's given you. And he's given it to you for what? If you fear him from everlasting to everlasting. That means from forever to forever. That's like double forever, right? Double infinity. Okay. And it says for those who fear him. And another thing right there, it says his righteousness. If you fear him, his righteousness will be bestowed down upon your children and your grandchildren. So fear God, guess what else gets benefits? Your home. Your home is an umbrella protection because you fear God. So your children get that and the grandchildren get that. Pretty amazing promise. You can't even get that with globe life, right? So let's look at Psalms 111, verse 5. Psalms 111, verse 5. The Bible says, He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. Remember, we talked about that. He'll reveal that covenant to you, right? Well, here's part of his covenant. God says he'll give you food. This doesn't mean that he's going to bring water burger to you every day. And jack-in-a-box breakfast is for the pastor, right? He will give you food, but not like that. He takes care of you completely. If you fear God, what is he going to do? He's going to keep you healthy. He's going to keep you in a job. He's going to keep you in a car that rolls. So you can buy food. He's going to make sure you have everything you need. You're going to have a house over your head. You know, you're going to have a pillow to lay down on at night. It might not be a, you know, my pillow, but it's still a pillow. He's going to give you everything you need. Now, you might not get the Ferrari. Okay. You might just end up with, you know, a beat up truck. But that's a truck from God. So be happy with it, right? That's only for those who fear him. Remember, the opposite side, opposite is you don't fear him. He doesn't promise to take care of you. That covenant's not there with them, is it? Psalms 115, 13. And let's just read 13 through 15. The Bible says, He will bless them that fear the Lord, both great, small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. There's that promise again. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So who is going to bless you? Okay. The God that made everything. How many people walk by you and you go, hey, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Really? Who blessed you? Or are you just saying that? Or a lot of people say, oh, be blessed. I don't want you to bless me. You can't do anything for me. I want the God that took nothing and made everything to bless me. How do you get that blessing? Fear God. So if you don't fear God, guess what you don't get? Not a good place to be. Psalms 145. If you don't fear God, you're not in his blessing. That is a bad, bad place to be. That means you're on your own. How's that working out? Psalms 145, verse 19. The Bible says, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. There's a huge promises right there. Right? Huge promises. Okay? God fulfills the desires of those who feel, fulfill Him or fear Him. He will fulfill our desire. Desire for Ferrari? No. But what is in your heart that you truly want that's not worldly? God will fulfill that, Right? 
God will fulfill that. He promises it right here. And, and he says that he will also hear your cry. Are you in pain? You're, you're praying for something fervently, maybe praying for your children's salvation? Fear him. He'll hear your cry, right? Okay, he also says he will save them. He will save those who fear him. So what is your desire? What is your deep down desire? You know, one of my biggest desires is a wife and a family, a Christian home. If I fear God, he promises to give that to me. What is your desire? What do you want? Okay. Um, where was I at? 147? Yeah, I'm way off. Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3130. I try to put them in order. I fail sometimes. That's okay. We can turn pages back and forth, right? Proverbs 31, 30. The Bible says, Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. If you're a woman and you want to be praised, fear God. Fear God. And look at that verse. Look at that verse a little bit. That favor. That means charm. Charm is deceitful. Okay? That's all the stuff we do to each other, right? The women are out there batting their eyelids and the men are flexing their muscles. You know, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, I love the way you look. That's all charm. It's deceitful. It's lies, right? Okay, well, what else we got there? It says beauty is vain. And think about it. When you're young and we're all muscular and looking good, we get older, things kind of spread out and wrinkles appear. Beauty is vain. But what? What? A woman that feareth the Lord shall be praised. So if you're a woman, you want to be praised, fear God. Be that Christian woman. Be that Christian woman that God wants you to be. Okay? Acts 19.17. Cam, they kick you out already? No. That's good. Acts 19, verse 17. The Bible says, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord, Jesus, was magnified. Okay? Wow. Wow. So we see that fear fell on all of them at this time, right? And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified by those who what? Feared God. Okay? So if you fear God you respect God, then through your life, it will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing, right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.11. 2 Corinthians 5.11. It's okay, Cam. 2 Corinthians 5.11, the Bible says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So in our consciences, God, we, we need to fear God. But we see he's talking about those who fear God, right? Yeah. If you fear God, what are you going to do? You're going to persuade other men to fear God. What is that? That's witnessing. You're going to teach them about your God, the one that created you. You're going to tell them how you fear him and why you fear him. That's what you will be persuaded to do from deep inside of you, from your conscience, right? So 
We've talked about all these characteristics of people that fear God. What about those that don't fear God? Okay, well, we see all the negatives here. If you don't feel God or fear God, he won't bless you. But what are their characteristics? How can you see people that don't fear God? Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 20, verse 11. Genesis 20, 11. Let's see some people that don't fear God. 2011, the Bible says, And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. They will slay me for my wife's sake. Now, we know this story. Abraham's coming into this other country. And he's got uh, his wife with him. And she's beautiful. And he's like, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me and take my wife. So tell them you're my sister. And we know how the story plays out. In the end, they give his wife back. And then they give him all kind of stuff. Because why? They know who that God is, even though they don't fear him. And, and why did he do that? Because he said they don't fear God in this country. So if they don't fear God in this country, what are they? They're pagan, right? They're evil. They're wicked. These people are re- led by a false religion. That's why Abraham had this, this fear. He knew they didn't fear God, right? Yeah. And we have another verse there, verse 25, 18. I looked at that this morning. That's a typo. I don't know what other verse I was going to. So you get to skip that one. Yeah. Let's go to Psalms 36. Psalms 36, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. That is a very dangerous place to be. These people right here, if you look, they say, there is no fear of God in me. And it goes down there and it says, if you're that way, that you don't fear God and you just live your life the way you want to, without thinking if it's right or wrong or if God's watching you, even though we know he is, it says right there that that you flatter yourself, right? So you're all about yourself. You're arrogant. You're prideful, right? It says you flatter yourself in your own eyes, not in God's eyes, because he's looking at you going, oh, you have no idea what you're doing until your sin shows you to be hateful. Okay? That's evil. That's wickedness. Let's go to Jeremiah 2.19. Jeremiah 2.19. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Wow. So you don't fear God? Look at this. Your own wickedness will correct you. We've seen that, right? We've seen people that are running and gunning and living their life and their own sin catches up to them, right? What do they call it in the world? Karma. Karma catches you. That's not karma. That's your own sin catching up to you because you're wicked and you will not listen to God. And then it goes down there. It says backslidings, right? Those are Christians that don't fear God anymore. 
They've stepped away and they have so little fear of God that they do what they want to. They don't submit to him. They don't listen to him anymore. You're backsliding. Guess what's going to catch you? You're going to catch your own self. It's going to be bad for you. And it says, know therefore that this is an evil thing. So not having fear of God and living the way you want to or backsliding and not listening to God after you've heard the word of God, it's an evil thing, evil thing and bitter, right? It's pretty bitter when that karma catches up with you, right? Um, it's because it says because you've, you've forsaken the Lord your God. You have forsaken. You've walked away from the Lord your God. You've walked away from the God that created you. And you no longer fear him. That's an evil, bitter thing. And it says right there, your sin's going to catch you because you're full of wickedness, right? Let's go to Malachi 3.5. Malachi 3.5. The very end of the New Test- or Old Testament. I'm going to have somebody go in the wrong place. No. Just like you, Cam. Malachi 3.5. The Bible says... And I will come near to you to judgment and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against the false swearers and against those that oppress the hirelings and his wages, the widow and the fatherless and that turn aside from the the stranger from his right and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Okay, those who do not fear God, he will have the last word. He will have the last word. And I thought it was kind of strange there. Or not strange, it was interesting. It says that, that those that turn the stranger away from right. So those are these people that don't know God that come into your life. And you have the opportunity to be an example to them and witness to them. And maybe plant that seed of salvation to them. But you turn them away from what is right. How would you like to stand in, God, in front of God one day, which we all will? And he goes, I sent this person to you, but you were living in wickedness and wrong. And you turned him away from receiving salvation. This person died and went to hell because of you. That's a bad place to be, right? I'm sure you're going to be crying. We'll all be crying. As if we all fail God. And, and he's going to, you know, he's going to judge us. He's going to be there with us. He's going to confront us with the things we failed. And then he, he'll give us crowns for the things we did. Um, but that's all those who don't fear God. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 8, 11. Ecclesiastes 8.11. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. The Bible says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them that do evil. Did I read the wrong one? I sure did. Shut up, Cam. 8.13. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. So you don't fear God, you don't respect God, you don't listen to God, you don't understand God, or, or you're unwilling to submit to him, your life will be shortened. That's pretty scary. Don't we, don't we all want a long life, even though it is a pretty rough world to live in? I mean, everybody's all about, you know, going to the doctor and living longer and trying to find the fountain of youth. And I've even heard about, a, about billionaires that are taking stem cells from babies and eating them or whatever they're doing to try to reverse aging. They're fighting, right? Proverbs ten twenty seven. 
I went to 27.10. Proverbs 10.27, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. There again, fear God, He gives you a long, peaceful life, right? Don't fear God, you die early. And you probably die not happy, very bitter and angry, right? Let's go to Psalms 13. Psalms 13. Psalms 13, 3 through 5. The Bible says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that, are, that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. So what are we talking about? These two verses we looked at? Psalms and... and uh, did I go the wrong one? No, I didn't. So what are we talking about? Well, we see that the only way to find peace right here, the only way we can find peace and, and, and be taken away from those that oppress us and are against us is to fear God. It's the only way you're going to find peace. It's the only way you're going to find that, that salvation from trouble, right? Fear God. Obey God. Okay, let's go to Romans. Romans 3.10. Romans 3.10 through 18, actually. Starting in verse 10, Romans 3. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, their destruction and misery are in their ways." And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We're describing those people that do not fear God right here, right? And we see that what are they? They're full of evil language. They're full of evil ways. They're full of violence. They're full of unhappiness. They have no peace in their lives. You don't fear God, that's, that's what you get. That's what you're going to live in. You're going to live in turmoil and pain and bitterness because you refuse to reverence the God that created you. You refuse to submit to him and just follow him. Do what he says. Do what's right. We've looked at that verse a few times. It says, do it. Do it, right? If you don't do it, this is where you're going to go. So how do we grow in the fear of the Lord? Psalms 119. Psalms 119. This is that chapter that you, you hope your, your pastor never stands up and tells you, hey, could you read Psalms 119 for us? Pack a lunch. It's long. Psalms 119 and verse 38. The Bible says, Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. So establish means establish. So establish, establish <clears throat> thy word. 
Whose word? God's word. Establish God's word in us, right? That, that we will fear God. So establish God's word in us. How do you get God's word established into you? You listen to preaching, right? You come to church. You read your Bible. You study your Bible. You pray. Let him give his word directly to you. Establish it. You want to grow in the fear of the Lord? Establish. You want to respect God? Establish it. Establish that word in your heart. Okay? So let's also look at 119 verse 120. The Bible says, My, th- my flesh trembleth for fear of thee. I am afraid of thy judgments. Okay? We're not talking about trembling out of fear, out of true terror. We're talking about you're trembling because you're in awe of his awesomeness and his greatness. You are in the presence of a holy God. Fear him. It says you're going to tremble, right? You're going to tremble out of respect for that God. Okay? And we don't, we need, what we need to do is immerse ourselves in God's word. You want to fear God? Immerse yourself in God's word. The, the fear of the Lord grows with the realization of how magnificent he truly is. He's not a God. He is the God. And as we see his character and his authority, how are we going to see that? We're going to see that through events in our lives that he leads us to. We're going to see that through the teaching of the, the scripture, right? You're going to hear it in Sunday school and in, and, and in church and, and regular and Wednesday nights and Sunday night services. You're going to hear that scripture. Maybe listen to it on the radio or a, a podcast that I still don't know how to do. Okay? But you're going to search for God's word. Just immerse yourselves in it. Like, you know, the people take the cold water challenge. Do that, but do it with God's word. Just flood yourself with it, right? And that's how he's going to reveal to you. And then your hearts will be drawn to him. And you'll have that proper reverence towards God, right? And he's our God, right? He's not our fishing buddy. Don't treat him like such. People like, oh, he's my buddy. I can, he's my friend. I can just drive down the highway on the work and I can just have a conversation with him. You can, but maybe you're not having some reverence for him. Is that the only time you speak to him? Then it's not right. Now, if you pray to him in reverence, yeah, then you're going to have that close relationship. So when you are going down the highway, you can talk to him. But it's not as your fishing buddy. It says your God that you respect, Right? So let's go to Psalms 86, verse 11. Psalms 86, verse 11. Psalms 86, verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Unite my heart. Okay? That means means tie my heart to this. Pull my heart into that, right? We need to ask God regularly, not just once in a while, not just maybe after you hear a Sunday school lesson, but regularly to teach us in our hearts to fear his name. Okay? And God desires to reveal himself to you. He really does. And he he wants to align his life with ours, his will with our lives. He wants to reveal his character to us, but he cannot do that if you don't fear him. Okay. Remember, he's your heavenly father. Just like when you have children, you want to have a close relationship with them. You want to to align your life with them. Even when they grow up and move out of home, you still want to have that relationship. But you can't if they refuse to have it. 
How many kids run off and just, they say, we say, they're, oh, they're rebellious. You know, maybe even when they're little, they're rebellious. You know, they're not aligned with you, are they? How much tension does that cause you? How much friction? Okay, can you talk to them? Do you have that close contact? Same thing with God. You don't follow him. You don't fear him. You're not going to have that. You're going to have a rocky relationship. Okay, very rocky. And, and we're talking about teaching Teach us to have a, a, a rever, rever, I can't even say the word, a high reverence, an awe of our God. Okay? This God, this creator God, it, the reverence I'm talking about, the fear I'm talking about is, is the only thing I can equate it to is you think about people today, they look at sports stars or entertainers, right? If they enter the room, you know, like Elvis, people would enter, he would enter the room, people would pass out. Right. Michael Jackson, you know, they would pass out, fall over, pay thousands of dollars to go see him, buy all his merchandise. You know, he died. Now they grieve forever because he's gone. There's people still today that grieve over Elvis. That's a reverence. That's all. That's fear right there. That's crazy for people because that's just a man. Both of them are just men. What about today? What about Beyonce? How many people give their life for Beyonce? We talked about this a few weeks ago. They have church services for Beyonce instead of for God. That's crazy. But that's the reverence. That's just a, that's a small portion of the reverence and fear we should have for our God that created us. But do we? Do you submit to him? Do you obey him? Then you're not fearing him, right? Let's go to Psalms 139. Let's look at this one. And we're going to read 7 through 12. The Bible says in 139, Psalms 139, verse 7 says, Whither shall I go from thee? From thy, I'm sorry, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I can ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. What are we talking about? We're talking about God is everywhere. You can't go anywhere to get away from God. And if you fear God and you respect God, he's there with you. It says if you're in the darkness, guess what? He lights it up around you. You can go way out in the sea in the farthest place you can go. He's holding you up. He's keeping you from drowning, right? It says even if by chance you went all the way down to hell, not died in, in unsafe condition and go to hell. But if you could travel to hell, to the center of the earth or wherever hell's at, you could travel there. Guess what? God is there. If you fear him, you can go nowhere. And it says you can go up the highest places in the heavens. You can go all the way in outer space. You can go past where the Hubble telescope sees. God's still there. Why is he there? Because he created it. But it, you cannot get away from this God. And if you fear him and, and reverence him properly, he's there with you, protecting you. All those promises we talked about, that covenant, he gives it to you. And, and, and we're looking at this. Well, our children need to know this, right? 
We need to teach this to our kids. And even at the earliest age, as soon as they're born, maybe even before they're born, start reading the Bible to them, right? That, they're, that, that We need to teach them that God is, is, a, is an awesome God, but they need to know that He's angry and, 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 and with the wicked, that He doesn't like sin. We need to teach them that. And, and we need to teach them that He will punish evildoers. And I think we've lost that in our world. What is the world? You know, you look at other church services today. They, they, they're all, everything's happy and glorious and we're all going to live together because God loves us all. We're all God's children and we know that's a lie. We're all God's creation. You're only his children if you accept him as your savior. And if you accept him as your savior, guess what you got to do? You got to fear him. Then you got to obey him. Okay, but too often we only teach teach our children about how gentle God is and how meek he is and how mild he is and about his attributes. You know, a lot of the world, they 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 even show Jesus in the pictures. and He looks almost feminine. He's weak. Right. We portray him as that easygoing, grandfatherly, weak kind of man, God kind of thing. Right. We have we have Jesus and, and, and God more as Santa Claus. Than the God of Scripture. There's no Santa Claus in this book. God is powerful. He's strong. He doesn't do well with sin. He wants you to obey Him. Not half the time. Not three quarters of the time. All the time. And why do you do that? Because you fear Him and you respect Him. But we don't teach this to our kids. So what do they do? They grow up as snowflakes. And their feelings get hurt. And now we're in a world today where because I feel something, then you have to accept it. That's crazy. You know, if I feel that I want to identify as a Ferrari and I go lay in my garage floor, I'm not a Ferrari. And if you come over and I tell you, oh, you've got to call me by Ferrari. I'm insane because God told me I'm not a Ferrari. I'm a man. So stand up and be a man. You know, why should I have to accept what you can't even accept you were created as? That's insanity. But that's exactly what we're teaching in this world. And look how our kids, they're getting to them in the elementary schools and even before elementary school in the cartoons. But we need to stand up and tell them, no, that's not the way. Because the God, the God of this world will indoctrinate them. Okay, and that's what we're seeing. It's not Santa Claus. It's not Santa Jesus. It's God. The almighty Jesus, right? And we, like I said, we see this in our society and we assume that, you know, God's nature is all nice and gentle and loving and he can be. But that's not the God of this Bible. He's powerful, right? And ultimately, what are we going to do? We're going to harm our kids. And they're not going to understand that they need to obey this God that created them. In fact, they're going to have a generation that believes there is no God. Do you think we're there? Look at the church. It's pretty empty. Where is everybody else at? Okay. So children, they, children worship should reflect an attitude of reverential respect for God, his awesome power, what he does, his holiness, his glory, his mercy. That's what we need to be teaching our kid. And the kids, this attitude, what does it do? Are you you're warping your kids? No, no, you're not. You're protecting them. You're protecting them because you're teaching them the truth. You're protecting them from what? Becoming overly familiar, familiar with this gentle God that you see in the world. They're, they're going to have, they're going to be disorderly. They're going to have, uh, uh, their ideas are going to be a man-centered approach to God instead of a holy, reverent, creator God. 
Not a man God. He is God. Right? But that's what's common in our churches today. And let's go to Hebrews 12, 28. Sorry, I'm getting on a soapbox. Yeah. I've always wanted to be taller. You know, I think God made me short because if I was taller, he knows I would have far, farther to fall and I would hurt more. But then he gave me ladders, so, you know. Hebrews 12, 28. 12, 28, the Bible says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom cannot be moved. I'm sorry. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. Godly fear. What does it mean, a a, a kingdom that cannot be moved? That is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're told to serve this God acceptably with reverence, right? That's modesty. That's respect. That's fear. And have godly fear. What is that? That means that you have caution and discretion for the God that created you. A healthy fear of God's displeasure, right? Don't Don't be scared of him. Love him. But know that when you fail and you sin against him, he will chastise you. Okay? So God's displeasure, it it tends to keep a church on the right path, right? If you know that your father is going to spank you when you get home for something you did, you're probably not going to do it. When you do, it's called disobedience. I know that well because I didn't listen to my father too well. I I got corrected a lot. Okay? But there was other times that I would think, Hmm, should I do this? Uh, same way with God. You know he's going to correct you if you sin. So don't sin. Obey him. Fear. Respect him. Listen to him. Submit to him. Follow his commandments and his statutes. The things he tells you to do, do it. Right? That's a healthy fear of God. And, and the fear of God should, should temper our lifestyle. It should temper our language. It should temper our attitude. Too often Christians indulge in slang, right? And humor. As Brother Wade was talking about this this weekend when we were having our men's meeting. Humor that comes uncomfortably close to taking God's name in vain. You know, you don't want to say the actual F word, so you say another word that begins with F. Really? Or instead of taking God's name in vain, you put another word there. You're still doing it. You're on that edge because you don't fear God. He told you, don't use my name in vain. The only time his name should be used is in teaching, preaching, praying. Don't use his name any other time. You hear it all the time. You cut your finger, what do you say? You know? Yes. Fear God. That's even, even that is, is being vain. We need to have respect for God and appreciation for God. For why? Because he's majestic. He's holy. He's awesome. He, he is pure holiness. And, and we need to have careful discretion for him that would cause us to speak in a way that is only, when we speak about God, it's only reverential. It's very cautious how we speak about our Lord because we love him. You know, he talks about that. We read that right there in that verse. It says, a kingdom that cannot be moved, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So think about this. If you're a Christian 
and you truly got saved and you fear this Lord and you respect this Lord and you're obeying him, you submit to him. That's the first thing he tells you to do, submit. So you submit to God and then you, you study and you learn and you go to church and you, 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 you read your Bible and you, you go to Sunday school and you do all this and you're learning and you're learning. You're learning what? His ways, his commandments, yeah. his statutes, the things he tells you to do. Do it. Do it. And guess what? If you're on that path and you're not on the left, you're not on the right, right there it says a kingdom that cannot be moved, cannot be shaken. If you're following God and you're strong, you cannot be shaken. Satan can hit you, but you put on your armor every morning, don't you? And he can hit you again. But it says in Ephesians to stand. It doesn't say do anything. It says just stand. Stand for God. He doesn't say go on the attack. It says stand. And if you're following him, you will not be shaken. And guess what? If you're not going to be shaken and you get married, you're going to have a family that will not be shaken. If you teach your children from before they're born about this God and you teach them correctly, not the Santa Claus God, guess what? You will have children that cannot be shaken. And guess what they will have? You have grandkids that cannot be shaken. Do you want to be part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken? A strong family, a strong marriage, a strong home, a strong church. You want to be a church that cannot be shaken? Fear God. Respect God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord. and I know I fail, Lord, and I ask you to please forgive me for this. I ask you to help me take that stance, Lord. Help me just fear you and respect you to where I don't look around me, Lord, but I just keep my eyes on you, Lord, and I ask you to help us with this. Just draw us closer to you. Help us be stronger, Lord. Let us become that church and that, that man, that woman, that child, that, that family, that marriage, that home, Lord, that cannot be shaken. These are your promises, not my promises, Lord. I ask you to continue to be with us today, Lord, as we continue to learn your word. And Lord, just get in our hearts, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that if it be your will today, that hearts be changed and minds be changed and that we remember at least one precept of this, Lord. And, and Lord, if it be your will, I, I'm, I'm begging you, Lord, that today someone would give their life to you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.